Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and our Seattle Seahawks have moved to 6-2 and two with a 27-20 win over the Atlanta Falcons. And joining me to talk about the win, Kenneth Arthur, editor of FieldGoals.com. Kenneth, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I am well. I, I'm trying to just gauge the feeling from all Seahawks fans after this because, you know, after the first half, the Seahawks are up 24 to nothing. They look like this was going to be it just completely rout the Atlanta Falcons. And then the Falcons score 20 points in the second half and the Seahawks only get three. And so now I feel like the, the community is feeling a little bit down, but the Seahawks are six and two. You know, I think one of the important things to remember about any community is that uh, sometimes the voices that are loudest are not the majority. So, uh, you know, I think in the case of one of the problems with, I mean, was already I'm going off on a side track, but, you know, one of the problems maybe with Twitter is that people are living in, you know, these cones and they, they believe that things are a certain way. And, and I think some of the most vocal people on Twitter are the ones, there's this sort of um, this need to be woe is me sometimes if you're a Seattle fan and to think about how the world's against you maybe or that things aren't, uh, that even when things are good, they're bad. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here and saying that the Seahawks played well or that they couldn't be three and three instead of six and two. Uh, or excuse me, three and five, or something like that, or four and four instead of six and two. But at the end of the day, they're six and two. They're four and zero oh on the road. Uh, they're winning games at ten a.m. Uh, they were up twenty four nothing, and why should I forget about that? <laughs> if the halves were reversed, we would be sitting here going, "Oh, nice comeback, road win, twenty four nothing in the second half. What a good team!" You know, we feel good at the end of it, uh, and that's not the way that people feel. So. Uh, I may have said way more words than you expected to uh, me do based on what you said, but my initial reaction is that while there are vocal fans who will complain about this, um, when I tweet out stuff that's more positive, perhaps, I get a pretty positive response. And I, I think that there are a lot of fans out there, uh, especially ones that have watched the Seahawks in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s uh, that appreciate being 6-2. and two. Well, I have to be honest, I, I am not much of a Twitter person on game day because generally Congrats. it's uh, it's more reactive than other communities online. So I I but yeah. I do think that overall it's and if you want to look at it in terms of points in the first half and points in the second half, I think the consistent thing, if you want to if, if we want to start with a negative, we can get back to the positive stuff, Kenneth. But if we want to focus on something negative, it's the fact that Matt Schaub who is probably 70 years old now, every time that he got pressure, he would either go down, throw the football into the dirt. He was absolutely comfortable for a 68-year-old man to be out there and just throwing the football down the field. I mean, in the terms of Matt Schaub and in terms of, you know, uh, you know, he's a 38-year-old quarterback, uh, like you said, kind of. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't really played since 2013 as a starter, which was when the Seahawks uh, were one of the teams to sort of end his career as an NFL starter uh, with that game with the Texans uh, in 2013. But at the end of the day here, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm not, I guess I am kind of the person that usually when I hear something about, well, what this, I am looking for the positive or I'm trying to see it from another angle. And the angle with Matt Schaub is that in 2019's NFL, 
quarterbacks put up ridiculous numbers. Bad quarterbacks put up what we would consider in the past to be good numbers. Uh, does that mean that I think the Seahawks have a good defense? No, I said it during the game as well that I think the Seahawks have a weak defense, and I and I think it is show. Uh, that right now, the way they're playing over these first eight games, it is so far below the defensive standard that we all know Pete Carroll has uh, for for a team that he coaches. We know that they're not usually the running team that they want to be in the way that Pete Carroll wants to coach them to be that way. We also saw Marquise Blair come in, and you know he's he's starting now at safety. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if how hurt, how hurt he may have been at the end of the game, but let's pretend like he's not hurt. You put in a, a Marquise Blair back there. The defense might get a little better. I said it earlier this week in the Q&A with the Falcoholic when we did the Q&A with them, and they asked about, you know, could the defense get better? And I said, listen, Jadavian Clowney has, what, one, one and a half sacks. Uh, He had three QB hits going into the game. And I said, listen, this is a guy, you regress, regression goes both ways. So uh, Jadavian Clowney, I believe there will be regression. What did he have today? Uh, A sack and three QB hits. He doubled his QB hits this year. He needs, you know, like more of that is coming. Ziggy Ansah, he is a guy who could be rushed. He could, he's a guy who could improve. Uh, He's a guy that we know has more in than what we've seen so far. Jaron Reed defended for the first six games. Um, They're still figuring out the stuff with the, with the cornerback. They trade for Conjure Diggs. There's a lot of reasons to believe that the defense will get better. There's a lot of reasons to believe that the pass defense will get better. There's even a reason to believe that maybe Dan Quinn, after today's game, will be one of the guys coaching them to get better in Seattle. Uh, so as far as the defense goes, not a good day. Not A lot of not a good days uh, for them. But I also think that we have to readjust what we think a good day is for a quarterback. We have to recognize that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper are Pro Bowl-type caliber players or all-pro players. Uh, we have to realize that, yeah, the Seahawks defense doesn't have the pass rush that uh, a team that is good usually has. Um, but I do think that there is reason for optimism in the future. Well, one of the big problems, the Falcons just could not get the ball moving early on in the game, trying to run the football. They finished the day with just 69 yards on 17 attempts. On the other hand, the Seahawks in the first half, holy smokes. Uh, Carson was running the ball well. Penny was running the ball well. Carson finishes the day with 90 yards rushing. Penny has 55 yards, so 150 yards on the ground. A very balanced offense for the Seahawks today. Russell finishes 14 of 20 for 182 yards, two touchdowns and a quarterback rating over 130. So, yeah, not uh, not big on the yards for Russell, but the ability for the Seahawks to go three for three inside the red zone against the Falcons uh, came up pretty big for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Russell Wilson's yardage and Matt Schaub's yardage both, who cares? You know, like, we obviously, we don't care. We, we care about efficiency and, and the points at the end of the game. Uh, and Russell Wilson, you know, he has... 17 touchdowns, one interception, three rushing touchdowns, front runner for the MVP. The Seahawks are six and two. You know, their point differential, it may, it may not be great, but I think uh, while we would like to see teams that have blowout victories, because we know uh, the Seahawks have been in that position before at the end of seasons 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, uh, where they would have those blowouts. But remember, you know, they only won one Super Bowl during those years where they were putting up huge point differentials. And meanwhile, Eli Manning has two Super Bowl rings. So if the objective is simply Super Bowls, because that's what I see people judge them on. Uh, That's what I see people get there because they're upset that Pete Carroll 
hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2013 or, you know, hasn't been back since 2014 and they feel like Russell Wilson's career is being wasted in the prime and all that kind of stuff. Wasted at 6-2 and two as front runner for the MVP. Can you believe that? 4-0 uh, and oh on the road, okay? And he's doing it without a great offensive line, with maybe one of the worst offensive lines even again here in the NFL. He's doing that with Doug Baldwin retiring. He's doing that today without Will Disley again. So, you know, he's playing with rookie DK Metcalf. He gets him two touchdowns. He's playing with Tyler Lockett, 100 yards in the air for Tyler Lockett. And, you know, it's his first year as a number one target. Six of six targets to Tyler Lockett today. Uh, it's, it's a very... It, we, there's so many things to take into consideration. I mean, just... The fact that Russell Wilson, what is his road passer rating this season, you know? Uh, and they're doing it all with uh, a, a running game with, with Chris Carson. He puts up 90 yards today. It's okay. And then, you know, but the, really they wanted to – we knew that they were maybe going to try and get Rashad Penny out there more. He has, a, like he said, he had his eight carries for 55 yards. Rashad Penny. This is definitely uh, an offense that Pete Carroll would like. If you can go on uh, the road – usually if you can go on the road, you know, score 27 points – uh, rush for 150 yards, throw a couple touchdowns, don't turn the ball over. That's a good day. Obviously, the Atlanta Falcons defense could be the worst defense in the NFL. Obviously, we saw in that first half 24 points, and in the second half we saw three points. Overall, you know, there are ways to be like, oh, it would be nice maybe to be a 35-point team. But at the end of the day, I know that just like people care about Super Bowls, they also care about wins. And if it's a point differential of one point or 100 points, if you get the win, then you have an opportunity, and that is the best thing right now. The Seahawks are 6-2. and two. If the Seahawks had a second-half run like they've had for most of the seasons that Pete Carroll has been the head coach of this team where it's been slow starts and they had to come back from a 3-5 and five start or a 4-4 four and four start, and now they're 6-2, and two, I don't care how they got there. If they get hot now, they can win the NFC West. Yeah, another six and two puts them at twelve and four, and you know probably in contention. Well, depending on what the 49ers are able to do, but uh, could put them in contention at least for a number one uh, seed in the NFC. Usually, that's close enough to get it done. Thirteen and three definitely uh, is what you want to shoot for. But you got the Packers, you got the 49ers, so definitely some to compete with. You know, I'm looking at the stats here too, Kenneth, and I see six of six for 100 yards to Tyler Lockett, but I know Lockett had one just go off the, his fingertips that Russell Wilson found him just wide open. So I, I'm not sure. Oh, was that? Oh, maybe that, that was, was a penalty. penalty. Yeah, so that didn't even count. Okay, good. Uh, so perfect on the day. Uh, yeah, those guys, holy smokes, in the first half, Kenneth, uh, Russell Wilson was fitting it just into these super tight windows to Lockett. And he finishes that first half uh, just 9 of 15, but then Russell Wilson perfect on all of his passes in the second half. So I guess that penalty had a little bit of something to do with that. Yeah, and, you know, you talked about the 49ers and the NFC West, and uh, obviously it's the best division in football. Uh, the Cardinals, they got blown out a little bit today, but they played well for some of that game. And they're the last place team, and they're just under 500. And if you look at the 49ers, you know, as we speak, they're playing against the Panthers. But you really look at the 49ers' schedule, I think the Seahawks, in my estimation, may have an easier schedule down the road than the 49ers do. Uh, we'll see if they have to beat the if they can beat the Panthers today. Uh, then they face the Seahawks in a couple weeks, obviously before the Seahawks go into their bye week. Uh, then they got the Packers at Baltimore, at New Orleans. Um, and then a, a home game against the Rams in week 16, and then at Seattle in week 17. 
can the 49ers lose four of those games? Absolutely. You know, they can lose one of the games against the Arizona Cardinals. They oh, still we, got two we play them twice. Yeah, so there's opportunities back and forth. Just like last year, if the Seahawks had beaten the Rams in those two games, they would have won the NFC West. And those, right. both of those games against the Rams last year were close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do I mean, you know, we really have to ask ourselves, you know, the, the 49ers have given up 10 points in the last three games. Is that really going to continue? Is that how good the defense is? Maybe it is. You know, maybe it is uh, the best defense in the NFL outside of the New England Patriots. Um, but... You know, last year, the L.A. Rams had the best offense in the NFL, the Chiefs, you know, and when the Rams and the Chiefs played that 54-51 game, and it was like, man, the Rams, they just scored 54 points and they beat the Chiefs. This is the best offense that they, in the NFL. This is one of the best offenses in history. And then what did they do after, you know, that 54-51 win? They had a bye week, so they had another one. Then it was 30 points, 6 points, 23 points, 31 points. Then they had 48 points against the 49ers. 30, 26, three points in the Super Bowl. I don't know if all these numbers are making a ton of sense. Uh, but then it's just they they can be a good offense. But at this point right now, since that 54-51 Chiefs game, they're an average offense. They're a little bit above average of an offense. This year, they're, you know, they're, they're sixth in scoring, but they're 17th in net yards per attempt, 19th, 19th in yards per carry. They're not the same you know, without, a, without a Todd Gurley being you know, the Todd Gurley that they had seen in those previous points. Uh, Jared Goff is not that great of a quarterback. And all of these things can happen to me with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. All these things can happen, in my estimation, with, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing phenomenal. And, and the defense, too. It's just like you're going to look good for a while, but you know, then you can also look bad for a while. And when it comes to those games where if it's going to be for the division, if the Seahawks versus the 49ers, you don't even have to look bad for a while. You just need to lose a game. And so I think the Seahawks are, are perfectly capable uh, of beating uh, the 49ers, beating a lot of teams. Um, but most of all, you know, if they can get into the bye week at 7-3, and three, great, you know, then they just have six more games left. And even if they, even if they split the rest of their games, uh, it's still a 10-win team. All right, Kenneth, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And I want to bring up a stat that the Seahawks have built upon in this game today. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty incredible one. So stick around. We'll come right back and talk about it. Joined by Kenneth Arthur of FieldGoals.com, the managing editor there. And I teased it going into the break. The Seahawks, one of the, the biggest stats since 2012 is that they are 53-0 and when leading by four or more points at halftime. And in this game, by being up 24 to nothing, they make it 54-0 and going into halftime with the lead. So, uh, you know, that he likes to say you can only win the game in the fourth quarter, but it kind of feels like, you know, if they have the, a big lead at halftime, th- that's a that's pretty incredible record going <laughs> with uh, being up by just four points going into the half. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would, uh, you know, I, obviously a lot of people have a problem with the fact that they aren't leading at half enough. Uh, of the time and you know I think probably my probably I think probably most teams win over 90% of their games when they lead by four points or more at halftime Uh, again they have they have one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL they've got one of the top two or three head coaches in the NFL in my opinion I know it's something that a lot of fans don't agree with but I think a lot of other fans do see it that way and I, I really think one of the most important things to me as a writer, as a fan, as someone who, if we're talking about football, if we're talking about sports, if we're talking about life, is relativity. And I really think that people, it's like when they talk about the offensive line and how you know bad it is. And I, and I would say, you know, 
it could be bad based on a, a, an expectation that you have, whether that expectation is the Walter Jones era offensive line or whether that expectation is just a, a an offensive line, you know, that doesn't allow as many rushers to get through or whatever. But I would say look around the league as a whole and you'll realize that actually it's kind of the norm for defensive lines to be beating offensive lines time and time again. Uh, when it comes to a head coach like Pete Carroll, you know, who's better than him? You know, who's better? And don't tell me Lincoln Riley. Okay. So, uh, you've got Bill Belichick and then, and then Pete Carroll's whatever the, whatever name you put in there after that Pete Carroll's there. So they've got the coach, they've got the quarterback, um, they've, and they've got six wins out of their first eight. And so I think moving forward, looking ahead, when they're trying to figure out how are we going to be the team that gets into the playoffs as a one seed or a two seed, uh, because we know that when the Seahawks have that division uh, win in that bye week, uh, you know, like 2005 and 2013 and 2014, they've managed to get to the Super Bowl. You know that they get a home game in the division. You know if they're one seed and they win that, then they get a home game in the NFC Championship. And we know that uh, the Seahawks are pretty good at home, and Russell Wilson's pretty good at home. Although this year, you know, they're 2-2 two and two at home, and they're 4-0 on the road. So... Um, Next week, it's at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers lose today against the Tennessee Titans and are a very up-and-down team, but uh, are certainly, after watching today, watching Matt Schaub and Julio Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper have a nice day against that defense. Uh, you're looking over now at the Bucks, and Jameis Winston is very inconsistent, but he is very capable of having a, a really productive day. And obviously Mike Evans, he went over 200 yards today, and Chris Godwin, who was one of the top uh, receivers in the NFL in yardage going into today. It's going to be really interesting to see how the defense plays against them because you really want to be 7-2 and two going into the next week, which is Monday Night Football at San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. And that is definitely a, a tough receiving core that the Bucks have. And yeah, Julio Jones, they gave up 150 yards to Julio today. Uh, Hooper, 65 yards, 63 yards to the running back. So, uh, and then Ridley had 70 yards on the day. So yeah, they were, well, Schaub went 460 yards. He's throwing it all over the field. But, you know, one of the big things, and I think this is something that they're going to have to look to carry over to next week at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks is turnovers. And it was the linebackers making plays in a lot of cases in this game. Michael Kendricks had the interception in the first half that helped lead the Seahawks to another touchdown in that second quarter. Uh, we saw some plays where, well, Blair came in and, and knocked the ball loose, just as uh, I think it was Freeman who was reaching out toward the goal line. That helped stop a Falcon score. This led to the Seahawks getting a field goal, I think, off of that turnover. So capitalizing off of the opposing team's turnovers, the Seahawks were able to do that today as well. Uh, yeah, you know, this team was uh, seven and two, I think, last year when they won the turnover battle. Uh, they lost in the playoffs, actually, to the Cowboys, even though they won the turnover battle that day. Uh, but they are, I think, five and oh now, winning the turnover battle in 2019. And uh, it's always, you know, probably the most important stat to a lot of coaches, uh, as well as a couple other little things. But you want to win the turnover battle, and Marquise Blair. Coming in there these last few uh, couple of couple of games and uh, 
10 tackles today, his nine solo tackles, maybe 11 tackles, his nine solo tackles, tying Trey Flowers for a season high of any Seahawks defender uh, this season. He has two forced fumbles. Uh, he has a couple big hits like he wanted to, you know, like we expected him to have. Uh, he's a good player so far, and I think that there's just this mentality with some people where they've got to find a reason to be angry about anything. And Marquis Blair has a good day, and rather than say – Marquise Blair has a good day. And again, you can't really say that he had a great day because you can't really say that any Seahawks defender should say that they had a great day when when you do give up so many. I mean, this game was it was, you know, it was 24 nothing at a half, but you know, as soon as uh as soon as they go into that second half thing where they've got a lead and it's just like bang, 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 bang. Everything that's being thrown is being caught and everything that's being caught is going for a first down and you know, they get lucky because of Marquise Blair forcing it. If, imagine if Marquise Blair didn't force that turnover uh, near the goal line. And, and this is a seven-point victory for Seattle right now. Maybe it's not that. It, it's really good to, to have someone out there like a Blair because, you know, they drafted Tedrick Thompson with all those interceptions at Colorado with a, a mind to, to have a ball hawk back there. One of the things about the Legion of Boom that I remember was how many of those interceptions were not like, Richard Sherman just getting at the ball and picking it off like he did do against Matt Schaub in the fourth quarter of that Texans game right. where it was just like, oh, yeah, pick off. No, a lot of those were like two guys around the ball, snap it, you know, like get it in the air, make be disruptive, be, you know, around the ball, figure it out, uh, dive around, and you, that's how you get the tip in the, against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. These are guys working together in tandem, moving the ball around, and, and like that's where you think that a Marquise player in 2020 and 2021 maybe as a safety uh, can be one of those guys that is disruptive, forces turnovers, and hopefully works alongside, you know, Bradley McDougald, Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin and Condre Diggs and all these guys uh, to hopefully be more of a turnover-forcing team. We know that the Patriots uh, are forcing a ton of them. We know that uh, the Seahawks, up until last week against the Ravens, had forced at least one turnover in every game. And uh, we're really are really good at protecting the football uh, from Russell Wilson's throwing standpoint, but need to figure out the uh, fumble situation maybe a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, pretty good for them to continue to be a team that uh, protects the football. And I think forcing turnovers is um, there's some there's some strategy there. There's some skill there. Uh, but overall, just like with wins, man, it's just we we have to account for a little bit of luck. And we can't we can't say that just because a team got lucky that they don't deserve to win. Every team gets lucky. Every team gets lucky, even if you're talking about they get lucky in the draft. Even if you talk about like they get lucky in free agency. Even if you talk about they get lucky because their big division rival, you know, their quarterback goes down for the season. Even if you whatever it is, no team gets anywhere without a little bit of luck. And if you're going to win the Super Bowl, if you're going to if you're going to outlast uh, 31 other teams, if you're going to go into the playoffs and win three, four games in a row, maybe some on the road. You just have to get lucky. If you're the New Orleans Saints versus the Rams in the NFC Championship game last year, you have to get lucky with a penalty. If you're the Chiefs versus the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, I don't remember all the details of that game, but I'm sure at some point, you know, the Patriots had to get lucky. It was like, oh yeah, the Julian or like the Julian Edelman thing with the ball. It's just like D Ford uh, being offside. Yeah. 
it's all luck. So uh, it's not all luck, but there, there's a factor of role, luck. Yeah. You know what? If the, if the Seahawks lucked their way into a six and two record instead of a four and four record, I don't give a f. It's fine. That's good. That's what happens. There are many times in the last three seasons the Seahawks did not get lucky. So. I'm not going to complain about being six and two. Oh, and I'm not going to complain about this game either. I, I look at the fact that, yeah, I guess you could say that there were some lucky moments in a game like this, but there are also moments where, you know, you, you said that there's not anybody that you can really point to and say they had a great game on defense. Shaquille Griffin played a hell of a game with two passes defensed. And I don't, I didn't feel like anything really went deep on him. Bobby Wagner, he had a sack in this game. He broke up the two-point conversion. If Bobby Wagner doesn't break up that two-point conversion and the Falcons get within eight points instead of being down 10 points, that that could have made it that could have had a huge impact on the game. And Bobby was there to make a play like that. That wasn't luck. He was there to make the play. A lot of winning is is not luck. It's a it's skill or uh, putting people in the right places. But the difference, the margin of difference, the margin of error between a first place team and a third place team, or a six and two team and a four and four team, or even a thirteen and three team and a nine and seven team, or an eight and eight team, sometimes is six or seven plays. So, uh, I, yeah, it's a it's a it's a monumental factor of luck to me in sports, in in in, in gambling, in uh, in choosing the you know a hire at your company. Anything you know the the Seahawks uh, got lucky that Russell Wilson was available at pick seventy five. So uh, that overall yeah, because the- John Elway had a, a checkbox for height and apparently didn't uh, it, it, he he liked Brock Osweiler's height that much better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, there there's there's so many things uh, to account for. So I just think um, overall, you know, the Seahawks got lucky that uh, the Falcons turned out to be a crappy team this year instead of a good one. Right. Nobody knew. Nobody really guessed that they would be one and seven at this point, uh, and that you know Dan Quinn is just all but fired. Uh, so it's a it's a little bit lucky that they got there. So uh, it's it turned out not to be that lucky to face Matt Schaub instead of Matt Ryan. I don't see I don't know how much better of a game Matt Ryan could have had than what Matt Schaub had today. Right. Although you know the like you you know they only punched it in one time through the air, uh, one interception, one touchdown. Uh, so. A lot of uh, this has been an ongoing theme, I think, for Seahawks opponents and quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of yards, a lot of completions, but only nine touchdowns and seven interceptions allowed through eight games. So uh, that's probably the most important stat, not the yards. All right, Kenneth. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on, helping recap the game. And, uh, you know, people need to go check out your latest episode of Goofballs. I know you had a, a nice projection of, of listeners you're trying to get to. So uh, people need to go and, and check that out. Anything else that you want to uh, to promote on the way out the door here, Kenneth? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. If anybody is interested uh, and if you're... I guess, honestly, if you've heard of field goals, you've probably heard me hawk my podcast. So uh, Goofballs, a football podcast, is a comedy football podcast. Last week we had Matt Walsh of the TV show Veep on HBO, uh, McClintock if you watch Veep. And uh, I also have uh, Seaside Reactions is another podcast about the Seahawks. And obviously everybody knows uh, about field goals if they're here. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so are are you going to have a reaction show, too, now out today, a little bit later? 
Uh, yeah, that's my guarantee right. to everyone out there who uh, wants to go to patreon.com slash field goals uh, for $2 a month. I, you know, I have a reaction after every single Seahawks game and after every single Seahawks uh, sort of big move or if the moment just calls for me. I, you know, I did a Russell Wilson special just about his the season he was having. And, uh, you know, I'll do something like after the Javion Clowney trade. So, uh, yeah, Seaside Reactions, $2 a month. It's like less than 50 cents an episode. Definitely get in on that. And and while you're at it, you know, while you're on Patreon, go to uh, patreon.com slash flock, F-L-O-C-K. Help support Kenneth's podcast. Help support this podcast. Maybe you don't like all the negativity out there on Twitter and, and you can get some of the positivity from me and Kenneth. So, Kenneth, appreciate you coming on, helping break down the game. And I think with that, let's get on out of here. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.